Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hour number two, Mustard and Johnson Sports Saturday, mostly occupied by the Yankees and Red Sox day-night doubleheader. That begins uh, right here with the pregame about 11.45. Meanwhile, we've been discussing Ray Allen's defection, uh, pulling a Benedict Arnold, not a Dale Arnold, but a Benedict Arnold, a quizzling-like traitorous move by heading to Miami from Boston. Here to break that down with us is Paul Flannery from WEEI.com. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Pretty good. We've been uh, talking a lot about uh, Adrian Wojnarowski's piece in Yahoo.com about many of the factors uh, that contributed to Ray Allen's departure. I'd like to get your take on it. Uh, Adrian says, you know, trade block issues, uh, dissatisfaction with – uh, playing time with Jason Terry coming in, of course, the relationship or lack thereof with Rajon Rondo. What about your take and your perspective on that? Does uh, does that really add up to Ray Allen leaving the Celtics from Miami? Yeah, well, I wrote about it this morning on our side. I think all those things played a factor into it. I mean, Ray always knew he was going to be the one who went, and he'd been in trade. He'd been in trade talks two of the last three years, and he was not happy about it. And he did, was not happy about getting demoted from the starting lineup. And it's, uh, his relationship with Rondo is a complicated one. It goes back a, a few years. There definitely been tension between, the, between those guys. And so when you add up all those things, you know, look, Ray chose the time when he was going to end it, which is kind of an upset when you think about it because everyone kind of thought at some point he was going to get traded for something else, and he made the call on his own. So this was, this was Ray's decision. They, Miami offered a lot less money. I'm not sure what his role is going to be hmm. down there, to be frank with you, because Dwayne Wade and LeBron James are still there, and it's nice in theory to talk about how you're going to do this and how you're going to do that. And there's questions about his role here in Boston, but there's a much better understanding of what his role would have been. So this was, this was Ray's, Ray's play, Ray's move all the way. And, you know, on some level, He's a professional, and you tip your hat to him because he made his own call. Right. Although you think professionally, you think money. He's making uh, considerably less money with the Heat than he would with the Celtics. So there had to be uh, some, maybe a little dissatisfaction, more than a little dissatisfaction, and him wanting to take control of his own situation, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah, and that's, that, that's the point I'm making. I mean, I, I, think that, I think it's all these things. I don't think, it's, I don't think that Rondo ran Ray out of town necessarily. I don't think that Danny almost trading him twice in three years ran him out of town necessarily. I'm not even sure, you know, being, being dropped from the starting lineup ran him out of town necessarily. But when you add up all those things, I think it was time to go. You know, it's interesting, guys. When the season ended, you wouldn't have found too many people in town who thought Ray was going to be back. Right. And the Celtics surprised me and a lot of other people, frankly, by making an effort to bring him back. And so I think that raised expectations to a point where people were sort of assuming or thinking or hoping that he was going to come back. But look, by the end of the year, they had moved in a different direction from the Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett nucleus that they had mm. been playing for the last four years. It, that's, this is a different team now. It's, it's Rondo's team now, and I'm not sure where Ray fit with it in a basketball sense. I also mentioned earlier, Paul, that I think from a Celtics fan perspective, there's a degree of hubris that... Like, how could anybody, you know, reject the Celtics? And, and, and I think, in a way, that's the way I feel, just a little bit. Now that I read the article, I understand Ray's perspective better. But do you get that at all, that, like, the, the great, mighty, one of the greatest franchises in NBA history, and, like, 
we should be the ones determining which plays we want to bring back. They shouldn't be walking out on us. Well, I mean, you know, those I hate to say this, but those days are long gone. I mean, the perspective in Boston, the perspective in the rest of the NBA is, 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 are two completely different things. I think there's a lot of respect for the Celtics around the league, what they've built. There's a lot of respect for Doc Rivers. But, you know, guys, guys want to go to Miami. They want to go to L.A. Boston is not necessarily not a destination good. anymore. And, you know, so from that standpoint, it's, it's, it, it, it's what it is, you know. And they, the Celtics still get players. You know, it's, it's interesting. People talk about how, people, how they never get free agents, but they get a certain kind of free agent. They get veteran free agents who want to win. That's, how, that's what they've gotten in the last few years. And Ray is actually going to a team, let's face it, that has a better chance to win than the Celtics do right now. And right. we were talking about that, and certainly you can make a case for the Celtics being contenders next year, but the way the Heat certainly played uh, once they liberated themselves from the Celtics in that uh, NBA final series uh, if you're a Heat fan, you got to feel pretty good about your chances uh, next year. Now, you said it was interesting. You didn't. You weren't quite sure how Allen fit into the scheme of things down in Miami. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me as if there were a lot of guys like uh, Mike Miller and Shane Battier and Mario Chalmers who were wide open behind the stripe and inside the stripe when uh, Wade or LeBron uh, penetrated and then kicked out. Wouldn't that pretty much what uh, what would Allen be doing down there in Miami? Oh, absolutely, yeah. but you just you just mentioned three guys that he's going to be competing with for playing time. Is Miller coming back? And for shots. I don't know. It's a good no, question. No. It's, it's, you, you say no? I, 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 haven't, I, haven't I don't know. Seen. No, I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen anything on that. I mean, I think that's probably – I think whether he comes back is dependent on whether or not he can play physically. Yeah, with a back. Yeah. Right. So th- that's, those, are, those are four guys right there who are going to be competing for those, for those shots, for those, for those driving kicks. So, no, I, I'm – you know – there is competition here for playing time, competition here for shots, and there's just the same thing going on down in Miami. One thing we do know is Danny Ainge is never a guy who comes to the table not prepared, so he has to have a backup plan. I'm sure he, you know, he he thought maybe Allen would come back. Mm-hmm. From a salary cap standpoint, we know Allen was one of their own, so they could have offered him more. Um, what can they do now? I know Petrus was certainly on the roster before, but. What do you think they can do, and how much money do they have left to play with? Well, not much is the answer. This, this, this is all part of the plan, and bringing Ray back would have worked because, as you say, they can, they can go over the cap to, to resign. They don't have $6 million of Ray Allen money to go get a free agent. Mm. That doesn't exist. Okay. Now that they brought back Garnett, now that they brought back Brandon Bass, on a really great deal, by the way. Brandon Bass's deal is fantastic. Garnett's deal looks pretty good, too. Absolutely. Do you think Green's deal is stacked, Jeff Green, if they sign him and they said they're going to? you think that's stacked more to the third year, or do you think it's it, or the fourth year, or it's going to be $10 million a year? Well, that, that remains to be seen. Uh, that, that's what I'm sort of building up to here, is that you start adding up those contracts plus the Jason Terry deal, they're not going to have any room to do anything but bring back their own guys. Now with Ray out of the picture, they can, they can get the Jeff Green thing done, and then they can still have room – to re-sign a Petrus, re-sign a Greg Steamsma, and then they would have something that's called the biannual exception, which is a two-year deal that's worth around $4 million. bucks. does not sound like a lot, but when you're at the end of free agency and you've got these, these veteran guys looking for one more job, one more chance to go chase a championship, that's a little bit more than the minimum. And maybe that can get you some, one of these guys. Maybe that gets Chris Wilcox back here. Mm. So in an, interesting, in an interesting way, not having Ray Allen actually allows you the freedom, the flexibility to kind of 
fill out a more complete team. The issue is is that you really can't replace Ray Allen. You can't get a $6 million right. shooting guard in here. That's what you have Jason Terry for. So people keep asking me, can they get Lou Williams? Can they get O.J. Mayo? The answer is no. They can't. Let's talk so, about uh, Terry. Just uh, I'm sorry, sorry, Paul. Let's talk about Terry just a bit. Uh, how is he similar to Ray Allen, and how is he different, and what will he contribute for the Celtics next year? I love the signing, guys. He's, he's not Ray Allen. He's a very good three-point shooter. He's a great drive-and-kick three-point shooter. If you watch Dallas play, especially because Nowitzki gets so much attention, mm. you're like, how did Jason Terry, you know, why is he standing there wide open? And he just knocks down shot after shot after shot. The difference between the two of them is – Jason Terry can also play the point, and he can create his own shot off the dribble. He can take a guy off the dribble and pull up for a jumper. That's not something Ray Allen can do. That's something they desperately needed, and I love the fact that he can play the point because Rondo has never really had a legitimate backup point guard in the last four or five years. It's taken a lot out of him, and he can do a lot of different things. The, the, the only issue with Jason Terry is his age. He's, you know, he's, he's 35. I believe he's going to be 35 when the season starts. He's another guy who keeps himself in great shape, never misses games. So I love that signing. I thought that was that was an absolutely brilliant signing. Yeah, and I guess the case can be made, and it's been made that Allen has been in tremendous shape until the uh, the Spurs and the ankle. And at six five, you might be able to play the shooting guard position a little bit longer than someone like Terry's what six one six two. But Terry does have other skills to bring. How much point guard do you think he's really going to play with the Celtics? Well, I think I think yeah. he would be you know the eight to twelve minute a night. Sort of, sort of backup point guard. And that's what they were thinking with Ray was, you know, when they go to the bench, they could have Terry and Ray play in that, in that second mm. year. Because one of the things they're, they're really trying to do, they, they tried to do it last year, but they couldn't because of all the injuries and the Jeff Green situation, was they really would like to have almost, you know, they'd like to be 10 deep at least so that Pierce and Garnett can survive the 82 games. Sure, and that's a big difference. Yeah, big right. difference from last year with the 66, and you're really going to need a, a deeper bench next year. So where do the two uh, or even three rookies, we'll just stay with the first-round picks, Mello and Sullinger, how are they going to fit into this equation? I think Sullinger is hugely important because, A, he's talented, but, B, he gives you something you didn't have, which is a back-to-the-basket low-post score. And right now, if you look at their roster, they're, you know, they got, they got Garnett and Bass, and the backup, the backup big men right now are Sullinger and, and Fab Mello and Jawan Johnson. So I think Sullinger has got to play. I think he's got to be in the rotation. He's got to give them some offense, and I think he can. I think he's that good. We'll see. You know, I'm going down to Summer League on Monday. We'll see how, he's, how he does against bigger, taller guys, which has been the big problem for him. Fab Mello is probably more of a development prospect, which is why I think it's important to get a guy like Steamsma back. Um, you know, if it works out, he's a seven-footer who blocks shots and takes charges, and that's the, that's that's a pretty good thing to have. He's a backup center at best right now. It's funny uh, you mentioned that's, that's his goal. It's goal. funny you mentioned the summer league because I'm very I've always enjoyed that when it was even here at UMass Boston. But I think there are so many interesting um, questions, and maybe somebody will slip through. The Herald had a piece today about Sean Williams, and he's going to be down there. Another kid is this Craig Brackens, who was the number one pick. With Oklahoma in 210, uh, the 21st pick. And, and you just don't know with some of these guys because they're still young and maybe they just wake up one morning and all of a sudden they get it. Um, do you see, is, is that kind of a false hope on my part that maybe <laughs> we can learn something from the Summer League? No, I don't think so. I mean, the one guy that I'm looking for to have a big Summer League is each one more. And I think he needs to have one because his contract is not guaranteed. Because now with Ray gone, 
there's a chance for him to grab some playing time and to grab a meaningful role. I think he's good enough. I think he's confident enough. He's smaller. He's a little bit on the smallish side. But I think Etuan Moore is a guy to watch. Juwan Johnson you to watch, too. Brackens, you mentioned he's interesting. You're right. He was a first-round pick. He's only played, in, I think, 17 games in two years. Was he injured? or A uh, little bit of injury and just, you know, he was stuck on Oklahoma City and then Philly, kind of deep teams at his position. So... This, but this is a chance for him to have a second chance. Uh, their summer league team is actually pretty stacked. I remember guys a couple of years ago being out in Las Vegas for summer league, and Jeremy Lin got himself a got himself a contract from Golden State thanks to one game against John Wall. Gerald Green. Oh, not again! Oh, stop Will it! You get I, off I, the G-Y no, I heard, I heard Maxwell mention him and stuff. Um, Whoa! Is, would he be of all of interest, not only to the Celtics, but I mean, he's going to sign somewhere. I think he redeemed himself a little bit, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gerald Green got himself a career back with his play with the Nets. Again, the Celtics don't have space to go get the guy. I mean, they could possibly bring him, you know, bring him in on these, these smaller type of deals. But I was just going to ask you, do you think he'd, you know, uh, demand that much? Well, I mean, I think he'd demand a little bit, and I think Brooklyn's probably going to bring him back because they're, 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 they're going to be way over the cap, too. So any chance they have to bring back somebody who can play, uh, that, that would be my hunch. Yeah, but here, though, Paul, here's the thing about, uh, about Brooklyn. They're the NBA's worst nightmare because they got a Russian owner who doesn't care about doesn't care. paying nope. 30 cents on the dollar. No, <laughs> he doesn't. He <laughs> doesn't. So no, I, Gerald Green's interesting. I mean, I, I don't see him coming back here. To be honest with you, I think I think he's more likely that he stays in Brooklyn. All right. Well, we appreciate it. the big three uh, era is officially over, as you point out in your piece today, Paul Ray Allen always was a control freak on and off the court. He controlled his own destiny by heading down to Miami, and we shall see what kind of impact he has down there. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Thanks, guys. Hey, right, we'll be you. following your coverage on weei.com, your summer league coverage. I care about it. All right, thank you, Paul Flannery. And we're going to get back to more of <laughs> your telephone calls. If you are just waking up or went to bed early last night, you had a nice long sleep. And uh, Ray about Allen, the Red Sox game? Ray, well, You're I, trying to avoid that like the plague, aren't you? I don't They're see, playing two games today. I don't see why a regular season <laughs> game should matter. The Red Sox are now hopelessly out of the division race at a Fellini-esque eight and a half games beyond. Don't you have a bet with them beating out the Yankees? Uh, I don't seem to recall that at this point in time. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.